Hi, welcome to the Book of Medora podcast, the podcast where we talk about the lore of the Legend of Zelda. My name is Crystal, and with me is Monica. Hello. And Cameron. Hi. This is part four of our series on the Legend of Zelda Twilight Princess. Last we left off, we had just arrived at the frozen Sora's Domain. I'm feeling a lot less confident about this episode, to be perfectly honest. Why? Well, I think we've established by now that I'm not nearly so much of a Zelda expert as I am a Kingdom Hearts expert, <laughs> so I feel like a fish out of water. Uh, no. I'll soldier on. I've made notes. You can you can crib on them. I will rely on you. Kingdom Hearts makes Zelda look like Metal Gear. <laughs> what a fucked up thing to say. I feel like you have to sort of draw some charts to, to piece that together. Oh, like you have to draw a chart... For the comparison between these games, all of which require charts. Dragon Guard yeah. makes Kingdom Hearts look like Zelda. Now, see, that makes a lot more sense to me. Does it? Though I actually think that Dragon Guard isn't that complicated either. Right. Dragon Guard has a lot of supplementary material, but very little of it is actually necessary to understanding individual games. And, like, it's also just not really that difficult cosmologically so long as you understand that potential multiple endings represent their own timelines and once you wrap your head around that it's actually very easy to keep up with so back to twilight princess yeah. whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> um you you get a giant flaming hunk of rock no no, no. let's what? just let's get back to exactly where we were is that zora's domain is frozen yes and you see all the little ghosties of the people frozen down in there yeah and you go and you do the wolf senses and you see the zora it's yeah, really cool we yeah yeah about it, it's part. a really it's a really great sequence and um this is doubly interesting because it means that the villain of this game zant is using the same mode of operations as the villain of the game that this is based on Ganondorf from Ocarina of Time. Even though Ganondorf never did this. Y yeah. Oh, he never did in this timeline, did he? No. So this is just Zant's own idea that he came up with on his own. Well, it may have been suggested. How? Even though Ganon didn't do it, he could have thought about, but you know. But Zant is the main main villain of this game. Okay. Yeah. How he, He's got nowhere to get that idea from. Even Ganon's like, dude, it would be so funny. <laughs> if you froze Zora's domain. But it, it confused me because Zant with Zelda, he storms in and says like, choose for your kingdom, yada, yada. For the Zora, it was like, no, we're just going to kill all of you effectively. We're going to terrorize you by executing your queen. And then you're all frozen. Yep. For some Clearly reason. they chose wrong. Yeah. I, I guess. It's not actually super clear why Zant places more importance on central Hyrule than on the outlying provinces. It may be that Rutella refused to um, accept oh, defeat. She would not acquiesce, and so she was killed. Yeah, it's quite possible. So anyway, you get to this sequence where all the Zora are frozen, and Midna is like, well, we... To progress at this point in the story, we're going to need to melt the ice, but where could we possibly get something carrying enough heat for that? And luckily, 
players with good memories will remember that when they went into Death Mountain for the first time, there was a tremendous explosion and a giant volcanic rock fell out of the sky. Or does that happen now, actually? No, it happened before. Okay. And Minda made note of it at the time. We just forgot to mention it. But now you can go back and grab that rock, and Midna's teleportation powers are shown off for what they are because she's teleporting thousands and thousands of tons of rock after levitating it into the air like it doesn't weigh anything, and she drops it directly into the spring that forms Zora's domain. And there's this explosion of steam and extreme heat, and... I was thinking yesterday that this actually should have killed all the Zoras. It's pretty dangerous, and the shock. Except that right now the Zoras don't physically exist. Oh, yeah. But then why are they frozen? Uh, Freezing doesn't usually make much sense in fiction. No, but I mean, it doubly doesn't make sense here, because they're just spirits, right? Yeah. And that's why they don't get boiled to death when the ice is flash boiled right well here it's spirit ice but it's not spirit rock (laughs) it's spirit ice but it's also not spirit water oh right normal types can't hit ghost when you uh (laughs) make the the water molecules further apart it dissociates the spirit bonds this sequence is very confusing nobody laughed it really isn't cameron you're just being nitpicky I'm not being nitpicky, damn it. It's just a little bit of a quirk of the metaphysics of the game that don't make a ton of sense if you stare at it for more than five seconds. Everything wrong with Twilight Princess in 13 minutes. Ding. Anyway, it was a good Pokemon joke. I almost said that it would have been fire and rock type. Okay. That's also, a, is, that's a is Midna type. dark type? What do you mean? Is she dark type? If she were a Pokemon, would she be dark type? Midna? Yes, Midna from the Twilight Realm. I think I'd probably go Dark Psychic. Yeah. That, yeah, that's a good combination for her, probably. Anyway, so you thought all of this out, and all the Zora are like, Wow, this sucks. Our queen. And they never actually say what happened to the queen. But the queen, dot, dot, dot. And we gotta go find the prince. And is this the place where Link finds the scent trail for the prince? No, that's, you've got it out of order. Oh, Does no. Does he talk to the queen first? Yes, Rutella appears. Okay. And, and I love d- Rutella's design. She is yes. gorgeous. We're Ru- going to de- dedicate a solid minute to talking about how beautiful this design is. Do we need to get to the point where we actually find her? Because it's in Kakariko Village. No, she appears right now. Oh, she yeah. appears right now. In Zora's Domain. Okay. Um, Rutella is far and away the best character design in this game. And I would call her easily one of the best character designs that Nintendo's art department has ever put out. I have always wanted to cosplay her, oh. but it'd be impossible to cosplay it, as her effectively. It, w- it wouldn't be impossible. I think it'd be it, very difficult. Pr- 3D printing has made her whole thing a lot more manageable than it would have been in the past. You'd also have to sort of glide on air. Well, you have to. You make, don't have to. You have to make some like, like you have legs, so you have to make like concessions. But oh, it's so good. Her design in every part is so good. That she makes the Zora all around her and the Zora from Ocarina of Time look really goofy in comparison. She feels like a queen when you look at her. And the bloom effect really helps with her glowy effect. It it really, it helps prop up everything ethereal that's going on in this game. And Rutella is one of the most ethereal things. And the Serenade of Water, the sad version that plays in the background, is very nice. Oh, I love that minor version of the Serenade of Water. It's so good. 
so yeah, Rotella directly says that the Dark Ones executed her in front of her people. Yep. They don't really talk about executions going on very much in uh, Zelda, generally speaking. So even the fact that they mentioned this is going a lot harder than Zelda games usually do. It's rated T for Teen. Rated T for Teen, talking about the execution of rightful monarchs and the subjugation of their people thereafter. Now, why is her son missing? She sent him out to warn Zelda. I see. And she thinks that he may have been waylaid because her sense of him is fading. Oh, yeah, that's but right. she can't do anything about it because she's dead. Right. So just like Ganon, Zant is attacking the, the outer reaches of Hyrule before getting to the main kingdom. Basically, he is destroying the routes by which Hyrule's central Hyrule could be aided. Yes. That makes sense, tactically speaking. Also horrible. Murdering people and like his intent was very much to murder Rutella in front of her son. What was her son's name? Rallis. Rallis. Prince Rallis. And I guess he also intended to use her death to cow Rallis into complacency. Not complacency. Compliance. Know about it compliance. At the time. He didn't? No. Well, no, because Rutella sent him away. I think mm-hmm. because she knew what was going to happen. Because you Yeah, can Rallis fa- is the same character as, uh, what's the Rito Prince? What's his name? Kamali. Kamali. Yeah, they're He's- basically the same character. He is a lot like Kamali, only I think Rallis uh, doesn't have nearly as long a period before he gets his shit together. Right. He basically wakes up and goes, oh, no. Okay, I gotta go do the thing. But we aren't there yet. This sequence is actually very long. Yes. So you... The water's running again. So that means you can access the shrine. So you jump off the waterfall, one of the prerequisites for a good game. Yep. And you go back to Lake Hylia. And you enter the... Well, you start the the Tears of Light quest. Yes. And And this one is huge. The Hylia... Lake Hylia area is like... Easily as big as Farron Woods and the part of Elden that you were searching for the Tears of Light. Uh, Kakariko Village and the Farron Woods combined would not be as big as Lake Hylia. Yeah, Lake Hylia has more water in it now, but still not nearly enough to fill up that gorge. No, which is interesting. Why is that gorge so deep? Who knows? I guess it doesn't actually matter. Yeah, the way the bloom in... Go on. Maybe it's a symbol of Hyrule's, you know, decay. Maybe. What about the bloom? The way the bloom interacts with the water texture, it looks very good. Yeah. Yeah. This is definitely one of the areas that I think is best served by the appearance of the Twilight. Um, Was that really a different effect in the HD version where the bloom was cranked down? I didn't notice. I remember it's still looking pretty good in the HD version. The bloom is definitely more subtle in the Wii U. Hmm. I hope they bring that to the Switch. I'd like to be able to play all the 3D Zeldas on my Switch. So you hunt the bugs. There's some by Lake Hylia. Yeah. There's some you go up to the, the fishing grotto. Grotto. Oh, yeah. That's the one fishing thing. girl. You have to go through load screens to find all these bugs. You have to go to Zora's Domain. Yeah, you have to travel over the entirety of the Lanayru region. It is enormous. And then there's a second last one by Hyrule Castle Town. Oh, my God. I forgot by that. By Talmas Bar. And then... They're like, oh, where is the final one? There's nothing on the radar. Oh, it's appeared back at Lake Hylia. 
And it turns out it's a boss fight. That was pretty cool. It was very cool. And also, if you're scared of bugs, that boss fight is fucked up. Because yeah. when when you get to Lake Hylia, it's like this enormous flying wasp creature that has a huge thorax. And when you knock it into the water, it lies on the back and it flails its six little legs, which are very fat and grub-like. And it's deeply disconcerting. The concept of invisible bugs would... It just kind of unnerves me already. Monica has sort of, not quite a phobia of bugs, but it is... Two shades removed. It's basically a phobia of flying bugs. Any kind. She's not for them. But yeah, that, 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 I actually really liked this particular one. I don't like having to go all the way back to Hyrule Castle Town to get one of the bugs. And then back to the lake. And then back to the lake again. This is one of those parts where they make you run back and forth, which Zelda games do occasionally, but this one felt particularly egregious within the context of the rest of the series. Was it's, it also the flying mini bug hunt? It is the very last bug hunt, so they went big on it. Was there one up at the flying mini game? You mean or no? The sorry, the you ride the giant bird. Oh, were there bugs on the tunnel? I think so. Oh, that would have been a fucking nightmare. It is a nightmare. <laughs> I I don't like that flying game. Yeah, I know. It's very difficult. Well, not super difficult, but it's difficult enough to be not as fun as it could be otherwise. It needed to control about as tightly as Star Fox, and it did not. So you get the bugs back, yeah, or the Tears of Light, and then you go speak to Laneru. You bring back Laneru, and Laneru's like, Sup, I'm an enormous world serpent holding this orb of light in my mouth, and I look totally sick. What do you think these orbs are? I think it's just their light. It's sort of like the... Uh, magical wish-granting orbs that you see spirit foxes holding. Okay. So I, I think that's just like manifestations of their power. And is this the scene when you're talking to Laneru? This is the dark I, interloper scene. Yes. Okay. Now, we did, of course, have an entire episode devoted to the dark interlopers. But for anyone who skipped that episode, and shame on you if you did, you should go back and listen to that one. It's a very good episode. But for anyone who did skip that episode, could we describe this scene a little bit? How about you, Crystal? How about you describe okay. it? So it's it starts with, like, Link in a black void, and Laneru is describing the creation of the world and how the goddesses left behind the Triforce as a symbol of their power. And the Triforce is kind of glowing on a little green hill in the middle of this void, talking about how for a time people lived at ease with this symbol of the goddesses but then people start fighting over it and Ilya's there and he's she stabs link and or then there's to. there's some dark links that show up and they try to take the triforce and then a giant uh version of midna's mask shows up because it's a symbol of these interlopers dark power and then link becomes evil too but then the light spirits show up and seal them all away yeah, it's a very dreamlike sequence where Link and Ilya are used as symbols to represent the peoples of Hyrule. Link gets dusted, like Infinity War dusted. Yeah, he does get Super Infinity War dusted by the power of the interlopers. It's like Ilya is going to stab Link, but Link had his knife out first and he stabs Ilya. And then there's like this big rain of Ilya's, I think. Where, where did that happen? The reign of Near Ilias. the very end. Yeah. Okay. And during the warning. Oh, okay. So, and, and, and then there's the Dark Links, 
and I think probably a lot of interpretations of the dark interlopers extend from how Leneru chose to represent them here. So it, this is also an interesting sequence because it implies that Link is experiencing the vision from wherever, like his perspective is anchored wherever his character model is used. So first he experiences himself stabbing Ilya, and then he experiences himself being destroyed by the dark interlopers, and then he experiences being a dark interloper who is then sealed away by the power of the light spirits. And as he's warned about the dangers of pursuing the dark power, about seeking out the things that he would want and the corruption that power can bring, he has this vision where he's surrounded by Ilya's falling like rain. Yeah, that was weird. Deep. But cool. It was very cool and also very fucked up. And I think it might be the source of a lot of people's affection for Twilight Princess's storytelling because it is easily the most unique sequence in this game taken within the context of the rest of the series. Do you think that this light spirit or the light spirits were present at the beginning? Or are they just... Um, sort of narratively recounting the parts that I didn't see and then, you know, only stepped in after when the goddesses took told them to do something. That's a good question. I don't know. What about you, Crystal? Uh, I think the light spirits were probably very early creations of the goddesses. Yeah. You're seeing them as being like uh, sort of akin to the role provided by the three main players in the what you would call the mainline Zelda games. The three light spirits are manifestations of the three god servants. But even then, like there's eons past between the creation of the world and the interlopers appearing. What, what you're suggesting is that the light spirits were not necessarily witness to the creation of the world and their telling of it may also be apocryphal yes because we tend to subscribe to the theory that the light spirits are or at least may be the same characters as the dragon gods in skyward sword mm -hmm. and they were empowered by hylia not by the gods of the triforce what's notable about this cutscene is also oh boy <laughs> This is the part to discuss it. Sorry, I keep on getting mixed up as to the actual time. Yep. But um, the key line was uttered by Laneru. It was then that the goddesses ordered us three light spirits to intervene. Which meant that there were three light spirits at the time that the interlopers were sealed. Which implied that one of the light spirits was not a true light spirit. To Cameron and Monica playing this game for the first time. <laughs> we were so fucking hyped to see Chekhov's gun just hanging there on the wall that the idea that f it was, was it Faron who said, I am one of the four? Um, Faron or, or, was it or Ordon. Ordon. It was Ordona. one of those two. And we were ready for that to begin. We were so ready for that to be the big twist of the game. And it didn't happen, and we were very disappointed. <laughs> I, I think what Leneru just means here is that the goddesses ordered the three light spirits of Hyrule. Yeah, or there may very well have only been three at the time. Ordona may have come into existence after when it joined Hyrule, sort of. A much younger light spirit. Which, yeah. you know, that's basically what the text says. But before we had seen the entirety of the text, you can understand 
how we would have read that particular line, knowing how we in, uh, engage with these games. You can understand how we take that particular line. And go, oh, oh. We're, we are very careful not to jump to major conclusions these days. And that's not true. We try to reel it in. Uh, let's talk about God of War. That one was entirely accurate. Yeah, I know, but it was still a very big conclusion to jump to and told us basically... It made perfect sense. Made told us everything about the characters from that point forward. Anyway. Anyway. Uh, yeah, so this was a really cool sequence, and I think in many ways it's the best sequence in the game, but our tendency to... I'm not going to say overread, but our tendency to read into scenes as hard as we do also kind of spoiled not so much mine, but definitely Monica's first time through the game. Yeah. Because we expected it to get a lot more complicated and intense than it ultimately did. Can we talk about the warning that Lanayru provides at the end? Please. Um, the, the line is, Those who don't know the danger of wielding power will, before long, be ruled by it. And I find it interesting, at least, because that num- never comes to pass with Link. Link is a good boy. <laughs> yeah. The game spends a lot of time playing up the dangers of the, uh, what are they called? The Fused Shadows. The, the Fused shadow. Shadows. But that never really comes to anything. Minda's okay with it, too. Yeah. Minda's fine with the way they're describing it, and she's not corrupted by it, but it seems to paint the idea that the light spirits view the power that was sealed away in the Twilight Realm in a way that is not keeping, not in keeping with its actual nature. Which frames them as inherently fallible. It could be a warning about Zant and how ultimately, though he strove to rule the Twilight or whatever, um, he was ruled. Oh yeah, because the entire line taken in context is, It was then that the goddesses ordered us three light spirits to intervene. We sealed away the great magic those individuals had mastered. You know this magic. It is the dark power you seek. The fused shadow. O hero chosen by the goddesses, beware. Those who do not know the danger of wielding power will, before long, be ruled by it. Never forget that. The dark power that you seek is sleeping within Lake Bed Temple in Lake Hylia. Yeah, it wasn't really dark. So the light spirit is very much warning Link here that the dark power has a corrupting influence and it may rule him too. But that doesn't come to anything. No. It's interesting. It's interesting, but it, it also, I think the fact that it doesn't come to anything is to be read as well, because the light spirits are just as ignorant as anybody else. Yeah. Which is interesting, because normally characters like this would not be fallible in this particular way. They are light spirits. They have a bias against the twilight. <laughs> yeah, that's why they used it as a prison and shoved folks in there. It's an interesting commentary about, um, not war crimes, but... It, it, it implies that it's also possible that the light spirits may have misunderstood the Twilight even back then. Yeah. And that the history being related to us is not necessarily true. It was written by the Conquerors. It was written by the Conquerors. And we know for a fact that ancient spirits in this setting often don't remember perfectly or have incomplete versions of the histories that they relate, which is always one of my favorite things about the legend of zelda and that there is no such thing as a reliable narrator oh it's so good i love it so um after you speak to laneru what happens 
you understand that the fused shadow is in Lake Bed Temple, and you're like, oh, Lake Bed Temple, you can't get there yet. Only Zoras can get there. Right. Oh, the queen promised you a tunic that could give you Zora powers for saving her son, so you better go and figure out where her son is. Yeah, 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 yeah. And because the light has been restored, you can now explore Castletown a little bit more fully. Um, I really like this part because <laughs> Link has a couple of um, sequences in Castletown that are cute. That's right, because the shadow of Lanayru also covers Castletown. Because Castletown is technically in Lanayru province. Yep. Not technically, it is. Okay, so Lanayru is basically central Hyrule. And then, yeah. Yeah. The other area too. But... It's the part where Link wanders the town and then I think the southern exit, you can spot an apple and he really thinks it's really juicy. So he wants to buy it. And then he sees, oh, no, they're selling apples over there, too. So he's got to compare. And then he finds some bread and it seems very tasty, smells great, but it's too expensive. So you put it back and then you find a flower and it's really pretty and he wants to buy it. But nobody's manning the booth, so he can't. I don't know. It's just very cute. Yeah. He's a country bumpkin. Yeah, he is definitely overwhelmed by being in the city and trying to buy things. And it is the most uh, textual characterization that we get for Link in this game, which is pretty cool. It's the only time he's really characterized outside of him growling at things and throwing them off of cliffs. Yeah, so Link uh, goes back to where he found Ilya and Telma and the Zora Prince. That's right. Is this his first conversation with Telma? I believe so, yeah. Yep. Okay. Ilya does not recognize Link when he appears. And Telma sees that Link definitely recognizes Ilya. Also, I love Telma. Telma's the best. Oh, you can also talk to the um, the friends of Hyrule. Oh, <laughs> yeah. And I, I wanted to draw attention to this part because Shad and Ashe recognizes uh, they recognize the hero's tunic now hold on a second um let's describe the friends of hyrule for just a moment because i think that they're introduced in a sequence where the soldiers of hyrule are acting foolish and then when it's suggested that they should help escort Ilya across hyrule field they all get scared and run away i don't think the friends are in that cutscene. no they're not in the cutscene. but then you can go over and talk to oh, them oh yeah because that cutscene is very important because it shows that the Knights of Hyrule as they exist now are not what they need to be to defend the kingdom. Yeah, and that's why the friends are there. Yeah, the friends of Hyrule. Is that what they're called? No. What are they called? The Resistance. The Resistance. It's not even, do they don't even know what they're resisting. They have no idea. They know that there's like a bunch of bulblins running around, but that's about all they know. Though they do also recognize that the military and the establishment of the royal family isn't doing anything for the common people. So it makes good sense that they would take up arms themselves. Yeah. The Resistance is also drawn a lot more realistically than most characters in this game. Yes. They all have very distinct character designs. Who's your... uh, Let's go over the members of the Resistance. Okay. Uh, So there's Talma, of course. Telma yes. is kind of like the facilitator of communications, and she runs the bar in Hyrule Castle. And she is the first indicator of this particular character designer actually really liking big women, which is a break from everything else in the series up to this point. There's yeah. Aru, who is an old man who's been around the block before. 
And he looks a lot like Raru, incidentally. Yeah, uh, he does kind of. He's here. He's a Raru. He's like a. He's Raru. He's like a grizzled soldier version of Raru. Uh, there's Ashe, who is the girl knight. And she's the tough one who looks down on all the other uh, knights of Hyrule, and it's understood that she kicks the most ass. And then there's Shad, who's kind of a nerdy boy. Yeah, he is a nerdy boy, and he's best known for constantly being shipped with Link for no reason. <laughs> Except that he's basically the opposite of Link. Yeah, they can't have somebody as manly as Link, a youth. I'd say Aru is as masculine. youth. Yeah, I know, but like... And there's Mysterious Helmed Person. Mysterious Helmed Person, who's known to be the swordsman of the group. But you can go up and talk to Mysterious Helmed Person, and he's like, Hey, Link! And he takes his helmet off, and it's Russell. Um... But do you tell Russell about his kids in this sequence, or does he already know about them? I don't recall. Wait, I definitely why is, don't. Why does Russell abandon his, his wife? Because he feels that the Bulblins running around like that, being able to attack towns at random, is such a big concern that he needs to address it, period. And the rest of the village will ha- help to take care of his wife. I think he okay. set out originally to find the kids, but then he understands that the kids are okay. Yes, yes, yes. Link does tell him about Kakariko, I think. Yeah. But there's still work to be done, so he has to stay out a little bit longer, in spite of how much he's worrying about his pregnant wife back at home. But anyway, Shad and Ashe recognize Link, um, his outfit, and that he's being he's dressed as the legendary hero. Yes, that is interesting, isn't it? What is it that they say? Shad thinks that Link has made this costume for himself, that he's essentially cosplaying, and he kind of poof-poo laughs at it, only he says, well, when you're done with it, can I buy it off of you? And then Ashe thinks that Link is an actor, which <laughs> that's another indication that the hero of time is clearly remembered. They, they put on plays and it's not uh, unheard of for somebody to cosplay as him. Or at least some version of the hero. Probably yeah. the hero of time. Definitely the hero of time. Yeah, because they don't remember Skyward Sword Link as of Ocarina of Time. So why would they remember him in this period? So yeah, it's interesting that stories of the hero of time, even if they're mostly apocryphal in this timeline because they often didn't happen have managed to carry forward. I guess that he would be the hero of the Gorons and whatnot would still be remembered, and that he was remembered as a man instead of a 10-year-old makes a certain amount of sense. Well, he must have done some things afterwards, too. Do you think that he came back and did more heroic stuff while still wearing his tunic? Yeah. Uh. And then he grew up and then lost an eye and stuff. Oh, Oh, he's so much cooler. I wish we had seen this version of Link. He was so cool. But yeah, just the fact that they have these stories mean that Link did not toil completely in obscurity. Even the Zora referred to Link wearing the garb of the hero in my people's legends. Yeah, because Link helped the Zora at least one time and is known to the Zora royal family. It's kind of a running theme throughout this series where Link is remembered especially by people who are not human. It's a cool little detail. Because yeah, Link's the only one who goes out and helps them. It's true. The king doesn't do shit. Kings in Hyrule tend to be very bad. Princesses, they do fine. Kings, they're bad. So Link offers to help where the soldiers do not because you have to. They need to bring Rallis over to Kakariko because there's a famed shaman there. Yeah, and it turns out it's Renato. Yes. And he's a great healer, but getting the boy to. 
Kakariko's going to be a problem because there's tons of Bulblins running around. Why is it that the Resistance doesn't help with this in particular? They're, they're not busy. too fussed. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're busy doing other things and uh, researching what's going on at Hyrule Castle. And they can't, like, split themselves up to help this one person, I, I guess. Know. Why the fuck doesn't Russell recognize Ilya? Mystery. A lot of other problems. Something? I think they actually never address that. No. Um, Do you? I, mm-hmm. I think you might actually not meet the Resistance till after you deliver the prince. Oh. And Ilya stays at Kakariko. Mm. Oh, that would make a lot more sense than what I thought was going on. Okay, we've got it slightly out of sequence here. I have it out of sequence. That's me. So yeah, Telma is going to take the wagon over to Kakariko, and you have to protect it. And eventually you have to fight King Boblin on the bridge again. Every time you say that name, your ability to pronounce it deteriorates more and more. King Bobrin. No, I meant, you know, the name of the town. Oh, Carrotin. Carrotin. Town. Carrot cake. Carrot cake. Carrico. Hecarico. Oh, oh, oh. This is the part where I point out the wagon is horse-driven. Oh, son of a... Oh. I, I made a point to look at the, the cutscene. It's horse-driven. There's other horses. Opponent has there a friend. There are other horses. Also, it's not he, like Fable 2 where there's only one dog. It's true that there's only one dog in Fable 2. Um, this is also based on my observations, uh, especially while Monica was playing through Twilight Princess HD. This is the worst gameplay sequence in the entirety of Twilight Princess, protecting the wagon from these birds who are carrying bombs and also Bulblin riders with fire arrows. Because every time they shoot the wagon, you have to blow out the fire with the boomerang at the same time that you're shooting down the birds and killing the Bulblins with your bow. And your focus really has to be on the birds, if you can, because if the birds hit, the horses startle, and then they go backwards into a loop. And they can keep this going up for, I think it was over half an hour. Infinitely. It was basically forever plus one. They really should have pointed out that part like more clearly. Like, it's like get go, those fucking birds. Get the birds first. The fire barely matters. Uh, as you're getting ready to head out, Telma makes some indication that she's aware Link is a wolf. Oh, yeah. What is that line? Uh, the swordsman of ours has great eyes, honey. They're proud and wild, like a feral beast. <laughs> we need a beast right now to keep the true ones at bay. If we make it to Kakariko safely, we'll just thank him then, okay? And then she winks at you and blows a kiss. Yeah. Also, Link mentions his name. Oh, yeah. He does give Telma his name. Ilya. Oh, to Ilya? Yeah. Ilya's like, what's your name? Link? I'll never forget that. I will never in all my life forget your kindness. And it strikes you because of the irony. And Telma's like, girl, we ain't safe yet. Let's go. I I, I do. I... (laughs) I like that line, we need a beast right now to keep the true ones at bay. Because she's winking at the player as much as she's winking at Link. I really like Telma. She's so fun. She's fun in every scene she's in. Except when they play off uh, Renato not reciprocating her attraction. That's not as fun. But fuck it. So they manage to get past this sequence where Link shoots a bunch of birds who are carrying bombs. The birds have bombs. And he also shoots a bunch of Bulblins and throws a boomerang at the wagon to put out fires over and over. And then they get through a gate. And then they're in Kakariko Village. Except uh, King Bulblin shows up. Midway. Midway. 
And then you have to do the fight with King Bulblin again. It's fine. It's fine because this time you have an arrow. And the fact that he has two shields to protect himself with doesn't mean shit. Because you can shoot him directly in the face. And it's a much better part. That feels really good. Also, he survived that fall. Yep. As he will again. Yeah, the second fall, it's like, I'm sure it takes this time, says everyone. And then off you go to Kakrika Village. Um, Rallis is taken in by Renato. Renato says that, you know what, he's actually going to be fine. He's through the worst of it. As long as he gets proper rest and care, it'll be all right. And then this is when Rutella appears again and says, it's good you took him here. Kakariko is sacred. It's where our people go to die. You can go find the grave uh, of my husband. Hold on. What? <laughs> I know. That's that's really strange, isn't it? Huh? Is it is it all Zora people or is it the Zora royal family? It seems to mean all Zora. Why? I don't know. <laughs> because they needed to put a grotto here. We, we should probably also mention that Ilya meets the rest of the Ordon village kids, and she doesn't remember any of them. And it kind of freaks Colin out a little bit. And he asks Renato, like, hey, is Ilya going to remember us at any point? And Renato's like, I don't know. Probably. Memories Just are weird. Just believe in yourself, child. You have to find that answer, and then we'll see. God, I love uh, So why did the, there's never really been an association between the Zora and Kakariko village. No. Not even a little bit. <laughs> and, oh, gosh, this is kind of grotesque. Go I was ahead. just thinking of the map in Ocarina of Time and how, like, if the Zora just died in Zora's oh. domain, they'd eventually float down. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I'm so okay. Oh, wait, is that how that... Does, is Zora's domain... I thought it was on the other side of Kakariko and they would just float down to Lake Hylia without passing Kakariko. No, like in front of Kakariko. You sure? Yeah. Yeah, that's where that river ends. Yeah. That's fucked up. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, everybody. You're just imagining villagers from Kakariko finding these dead Zora and going, oh my god. And then they take them out and they bury them. I guess. We can't tell anyone. <laughs> hey, do you think this Zora King was like, like you know, the other Zora King? Oh, just like he's this big uh, lump? Yeah, I guess now we have a, a second Zora King to reference, so. You mean? Who is also gigantic. Oh. I mean Breath of the Wild. Zora yeah, yeah, King. yeah, yeah, yeah. Was there? I don't think the king Zora is ever mentioned in Twilight Princess. He is. Is he? Yes. The queen mentions this is where her husband, the oh. king, is buried. He crafted the tunic. Right. So which which uh, which other Zora king do you think he's like? Uh, hopefully, hopefully, what's his name? I think that you probably are given Rotella's really great, elegant design, partially to contrast with how silly. King Zora was in Ocarina of Time. Yeah. Because he was very silly, and Rutella is definitely not. Um, you get the the tunic, and it looks really cool. Oh, uh, Telma also mentions to Link that there's a passage into Hyrule Castle inside of her bar, and we need to remember that for later. Yeah. I think this is where you can go and actually sneak early to meet the, the friends of Hyrule. There's actually a... a a line when you officially meet them later changes based on if you have spoken to them before. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The yeah, script yeah. is very good in capturing that. Right, yes, you are right, yes. This is where you... Co- Why do you keep calling them the Friends of Hyrule? I, I don't have... The Resistance is really strange. Yeah, I guess. That's a good name, though. It sounds like it's from the game. Like what Shad would call them. Yeah. And they'd be like, resist what, Shad? Shad. Um, What do you call it when you don't do anything? Uh, there's a lot of words for that. 
Complacency. Yeah. Yes, that's what he would say as he pushes up his glasses. Yeah. Resist complacency. Yeah, okay. Hashtag resist. So you get the Zora armor. And do you also... And this is one of those nice games where wearing the iron boots lets you walk at decent speed when you're underwater. And the Zora armor does look very cool. It makes Link look more or less like a Zora. And he wears a cool mask whenever he's underwater. And it's generally just a very good look. The armor in this game look very good. Yeah. Is this where you get the underwater bombs? Yep. And the underwater bombs look like fishes. And since we know that bomb chews are actual creatures, I'm sure that these underwater bombs are based on actual fish who will swim at you and explode. Uh, We also find out here that Gorons can breathe underwater. Yeah! (laughs) Is that what was going on? Yeah, because they're given to you by a Goron. Oh, that's right. Was he just asleep on the lake bed next to King Zora's place? I think he was stuck in a rock or something. There's one you can bomb out in Zora's domain, uh-huh. and he rode the fiery rock. Oh, yeah, he was inside of it. He was sleeping on top of it. And then everybody was creeped out because the some sort of rock was staring really hard at them. And you go down and look at it, and it's just him, and he's like, yeah. where am I? It's a Goron. How am I going to get home? Yeah, yeah. it's fine. Good luck. You know, during the water shortage in Hyrule Castle Town, there's a... or No, at some point... In Hyrule Castle Town, there's a Goron, and he's like, "This city air is is right for me. I can't wait to go back and like into the hot springs." And yeah. you're like, "Is it too dry? Because I'm pretty sure Death Mountain's really dry." Yeah, but Gorons love hot springs in Twilight Princess. Yeah. they love humidity. Yeah, it's 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 trippy. Well, that means <laughs> that their workday is long and unpleasant, and every time they go and they chill out in the baths and they breathe underwater. Where are we now? Lake Bed Temple. Yeah, we're okay. finally in the temple. And you do the dungeon. Um, tell me what's special about Lake Bed Temple. Well, you know. Okay, so Lake Bed <laughs> Temple is apparently created specifically to house one of the fused shadows, or at least it feels that way. Do you think it's a modification of the Water Temple from Ocarina of Time? That's I, hmm. Yeah, maybe. Could be. I mean, that would make a certain amount of sense, wouldn't it? It is huge. It's tremendous. I would say it's bigger than the Water Temple. Is this when you get the hook shot? The claw shot. The claw shot? Yes. Okay. I was trying to remember what the uh, dungeon item here is, but I guess it would have to be the claw shot based on the order of items that you get in uh, Link to the Past style Zelda games. So was the few shadow just in the water temple the whole time? I think that it was probably specifically put there, which is very strange because if this is the water temple by another name, then it implies that in the adult timeline, the fused shadow also should have been there during Ocarina of Time, or else the war with the interlopers takes place after Ocarina, which doesn't quite fit. Maybe Link just never got to that part of the dungeon. Or maybe it's a separate temple, but it's at the bottom of Lake Hylia. How many how many temples are at the bottom of Lake Hylia? Two. <laughs> no, it's just one, I think. So it has to be the water temple. And Morpha evolved into Morpheal. Now... Morpheal is definitely the most Shadow of the Colossus of all the Shadow of the Colossus ass bosses in Twilight Princess. Yeah. It's so big and cool and you float around on it and every time you jump on it you have this long sequence where he just beats the living shit out of its eye before swinging around. It has to be the least threatening boss in the entire game but the spectacle of fighting an eel that's this big is great no matter what. Talking more about the layout of the dungeon though, it's a beautiful dungeon. 
It, you can definitely get that it was a sacred temple space of the, the Zora. Yeah, the way that you control the flow of water rather than just changing water levels like in Ocarina of Time gives oh. a very similar uh, water physics feel to it while also making a lot more intuitive sense in a lot of cases. I just mean that there's like pretty shells around and there's like tiling and like uh, pretty railings and like chandeliers. As opposed to all the like dragon heads and whatnot that were in the Ocarina of Time water temple. Hmm. I like the dragon heads. Those were cool. But definitely the lake bed temple is prettier. What did you think of the lake bed temple, Crystal? You just played this. I didn't care for it. Didn't care for it too much. Oh, no. Why not? Because I don't like controlling the flow of water. It's too big and complicated. It does have a lot of moving parts. I like the Deku Toad. The mid-boss. Yeah. The mini-boss. Remind me of... It's a big frog. Oh, that's right. It's the big frog where you end up pulling out, like, all of its guts. Yeah, and then it pukes out a chest with the claw shot. Uh. And don't you drain the room or something? I don't remember. Boy, this game got kind of grotesque in parts. I specifically remember, like, hurting that thing in such a way that it seemed like all of its organs were going to come out. You do keep stabbing its tongue over and over. Yeah, and then it vomits. And you get your item. And it dies. Anyway, you beat Morpheal. Yeah. Good job. Good job for beating Morpheal, who I think is the second largest boss in the series, but I could be wrong. And is this the last fused shadow? It is. It is absolutely the last fused shadow. And then and then you get warped out to Laneru. As happens. And there's a cutscene. And some shit goes down. Uh-oh. Link nearly bumps into Zant, straight into Zant. He's like, okay, well, I'm going to just, and he turns around and there's Zant. That's really great, actually. It's actually really strong, this first meeting between hero and villain. What happens to Link in this scene? He gets blasted. Is he just, like, incapacitated? Yep. I, I haven't watched this particular sequence in a very long time. Could you refresh me? Um, Zant blasts Link, and then... He s- just completely slaps Lanayru. Yes, and then Laneru getting smashed, um, bring, they bring back the twilight, he brings back the twilight yeah. to the area. He um, grips Midna in the air telekinetically, and then like they have a discussion while like he's sort of like whispering behind her. Yeah, his, his the mouth guard on his mask comes down. How do you and, remember this part? <laughs> and Because it's one of the best shot scenes in the entire game, yeah. and you can see the way that his mouth is split on the side so he has a bit of an inhuman mouth going on the four corners of it just look a little bit off so you know that if he ever opened his mouth all the way it would look very weird and i remember this in particular because he doesn't have a tongue i don't think but you get this really close-up intimate shot of his mouth as he's talking in midna's ear from behind does he call her twilight princess no 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 i'm sorry that happens later he calls her my midna my midna Fucked up. And uh, and then he says that... I'm, I'm going off of memory here, so you'll have to correct me if I'm, I, I'm wrong. But he implies something about her being a traitor to her kind and trying to help the people of the light. And if she loves the light so much, then she can drink her fill of it. And he raises Laneru and blasts Midna. No, he releases Laneru, and Laneru comes up to defend itself and coats the entire area in light so powerful that it basically annihilates Midna on the spot. 
It reverses her color palette. It hits her so hard. This scene really implies... Well, there's two other things that happened before then. Oh, no. Um, Midna accuses him of abusing their people's magic. And he's like, oh, you think it's that? No, it was given to me by my god. Uh-huh. And that's when you know Ganon's in the game. No, come on. Let's keep going. Um, and also, Sand seems to be, like, lecherously interested yeah. in Midna. He, he wants... <laughs> yeah. It's like a really, like, a leeringly sexual scene. It's either leeringly sexual and like really really creepy or it's creepy in the sense that they actually had some kind of relationship in the past and this betrayal goes much deeper than we thought it did yeah possibly it could be either of those and i prefer to read the one that's less scary that's me actually this is also one of those scenes where you're like if this was like true form midna this would be like more fucked up you could not do this scene framed in this way with a Minna that looks like a person. Not only because he like psychically bashes her all around the place before the real shit starts, but just the way that she's suspended in the air, that, that would not work with someone who looks like a human woman. Rated T for teen. Rated T for teen. But yeah, you got that vibe too. Crystal, yeah, like the, when he's holding like Midna about, she's about to be blasted by the light and he's like whispering in her ear with his weird mouth as Cameron described. <laughs> yeah. And he, he says um, he wants her on her, his side, not just for him, but also for their people. Which impl- But also for him. Their entire relationship is basically painted in this scene, and we don't have enough information to say exactly what was going on between them, but the implications have resulted in so many fanfics. Yeah. It's not bad. I enjoy them. No, they're good fanfics, depending on the route that they take with it. What What's your read on their relationship, Crystal? Uh, I'm not really sure how to interpret this scene. Other than Zant definitely has a sexual lust for Bidna. Yeah. Well, it's definitely uh, quasi-romantic. It's fucked. It's interesting because Zelda games don't usually do this. Doesn't he mock her for her shape at this point? No? No. I don't think so. Pull up the lines. Okay, hold on. He does say, no matter how much you may desire otherwise, you will never be more than a shadow um, to them in this light world. Okay, now during this sequence, um, Zant bringing back the twilight transforms Link back into a wolf. It's actually really well done. It is very good. And I think that Link is incapacitated by being forcefully transformed again. Oh, he gets slammed. Uh, multiple things going on in this scene um and the specific thing that he says i'm just going to read zant's whole thing here minda starts off with saying my king you who do nothing but abuse the magic of your tribe you must be joking and zant says how dare you are you implying that my power is our old magic now that is a joke this power is granted to me by my god it is the magic of the King of Twilight, and you will respect it. My Midna, did you forget? That beast is one of the light dwellers who oppressed our people. No matter how much you may desire otherwise, you will never be more than a shadow in their world. You cannot consort with their kind. But if we can make their world ours, Midna, light and darkness will meet at last. Our tribe will take back their realm. And sweet darkness will blot out this harsh light. 
And that is why, Midna, I need you, not just for me, but for all of our people. Lend me your power. And she refuses. So be it. I will return you to the light world you covet. Yeah, you get the sense that Zant wants Midna to be his queen. The the way they lovingly animate his tongue as he says, I need you, is really something. Yeah. Yeah. And if Zant is reading Midna correctly at this point, it implies that she's already very attached to Link. Yeah. It implies, like, saying that she wants to consort with their kind. Yeah. Consort meaning something very specific when it comes to kings and queens. So, yeah, it's interesting because he knows her feelings and he's telling her to put those aside. And it's one of the most fucked up sequences in Zelda history, by far. Um, And then, okay, Lanayru blasts everybody, especially Midna, <laughs> and, and then warps them uh, out. Oh, oh uh-huh. there's something here in that the explosion that transformed Link jams a rock into his head. Oh, yes. And that means that when Lanayru gets up and blasts the area with light in an attempt to combat Zant, who has left by now, and he's there, it still. hits Midna so hard that it reverses her color palette, <laughs> and Link is not brought back into the form of a person by being returned to the light world because a shard of twilight magic is stuck in his fucking head. I find this hilarious because Lanayru warps... Link and Midna out. Yeah. And then you get um, a little few lines from Lanayru afterwards where it's like, yeah, to like fix you up, Link, go and talk to Zelda. <laughs> but the funny thing about it is Lanayru does not give one shit about Midna. Yeah, that's what I was going to get to. <laughs> and then you go back to it and you think none of the light spirits have acknowledged Midna in any way. And usually she hides from them. But Lanayru must have seen Midna before blasting her with the full brunt of the power of a light spirit. Are they racist? I think they're actually super racist. They don't like the Twilights. No, they don't. And they don't accept that they could change and grow and be, like, really decent people. Not ever. Which makes the ending of this game particularly interesting. Yeah. So, um, that's... The beginning of the best musical sequence in the game, mm-hmm. I think. You know the one. Uh, it's not. Is that Midna's lament, or I think so. Or is that Midna's crisis? I forget the exact name of it, but it's the extreme version of Midna's song, piano. The piano version of Midna's theme, which is one the best musical sequence in the game, but two was a complete mistake by the directors because they still let the combat theme come in and interrupt it anytime something targets you Mm. which is fucked up well you don't have to encounter the yes you do Um, it happens when you get targeted by birds okay well you run quickly into hyrule castle town and everybody freaks out because you're a wolf you're a wolf and they can see you because this is the world of light and they scream and they scream that's really great yeah it's great because everybody runs from you and the soldiers are way too freaked out to try to face you but they do effectively block your path and link remembers that telma said that there is a passage into Hyrule Castle in her bar. And I think Midna might point this out to you. Various animals mention it on the way. Yes. And you head towards Talma's bar and the doors open and you go inside and it's never shown exactly who, but I like to imagine that Talma beats the shit out of Wolf Link and throws him back out the door and then locks the door behind him and is like, well, I'm not getting in that way. And then Talma's cat, Luis, shows up. I only 
realized that this was a Thelma and Louise <laughs> joke yesterday. I, I don't know. I don't know why. We've had this game for 12 years. Uh, yeah. There's a point where you can overhear I, a conversation between the resistance. They're talking about Link. And Shad has a line that implies that Link doesn't know true fear because he's just the stupid country boy. Yeah, because he's not from Hyrule proper. It's... Oh, I see. Okay. He's a country bumpkin. The, uh, <laughs> yeah. And, and this is why the the scene with them thinking that he's like cosplaying, it happens before this. So I think it's before you go to the water temple. Okay. Do we anyway. want... Let, let's, let's read this particular one. Uh, Crystal, are you looking at that uh, yes, part I am. in the script? Okay. Uh, do we want to do the version where you've spoken them to them before or the one where you've never spoken to them? Oh, I don't see both versions here. Oh, um, if you do uh, control F for if you've never talked to them before. The, one, oh, okay. the line that Monica is referring to here assumes that you've okay, never yeah, talked to them here. before. So which one do we want to do? Both. Uh, okay. Uh, I'll be... Okay, you guys pick your own roles. I don't care. I'll be, I'll be Shad. I... <laughs> oh, man. Okay, I'll be Ashe. Okay. Um, I heard that an acquaintance of Talma's defeated the beast that had been attacking tourists on the bridge. Yes, you remember that young man who came by here the other day? His name was Link. You don't mean the hero type? Unbelievable. So that get-up wasn't just a costume. Well, now, that isn't a bit of a shock. I was rather snotty to him, if I recall. <laughs> Holy shit. I suppose I should apologize when I see him next. I'd hate for him to resort to fisticuffs or some such. I like how you've turned Shad into, like, this 1950s-era radio fuckboy. <laughs> okay, I gotta up my Aru game. Oh, no, wait, hold on. I Okay, sure. And you've gotta up your Eshe game. Uh, wait, what am I supposed to do for Eshe? Uh, fuck, fine, okay. Um, I heard that an acquaintance of Talma's defeated the beast that had been attacking tourists on the bridge. Now, this, wait, wait, we need to clarify that... We uh, just read the version where you've talked to them as Link before. This next bit that we're going to read assumes that Link has never talked to them before. Okay, from the top. <laughs> I heard that an acquaintance of Talma's defeated the beast that had been attacking tourists on the bridge. His name was Link. It sounds as though he brought Talma and her young ward to Kakariko Village. I was fucked up. I can't believe he did that. And here I was, thinking Hyrule was empty of men. Oh no, I don't believe he's from Hyrule proper at all. Now, my understanding is that he's from the small neighboring province of Ordona. This may sound horribly elitist, but people who do not know the city simply do not know fear. He's such a fuck up. Yeah. Now, see, that's... That, 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 Crystal, would you call Shad a fuckboy? Yeah, Shad's what you call a fuckboy. Okay. I'm never sure if I'm using that properly, but it's like, fuck you, Shad. Terribly judgy. What the fuck, man? This bad motherfucker who showed up and fights all these monsters, and he's like, oh, oh, oh we're not, hey, motherfuck. Anyway. Um, you sneak past all of them on the roof, the rafters. Uh-huh. And then you get into... An- Giovanni's? Giovanni's. Yeah, it, on the other side is the entry into Giovanni's house. Thank you to the scriptwriter. What was the scriptwriter's name again? Oh. I scroll up. M. Blue... M. Go Blue 201. Thank you very much. <laughs> and when you go into Giovanni's house, you meet Giovanni, who is a man made of gold, and there's Pose. And here you're introduced to one of the larger side quests of Twilight Princess. Uh, Monica hates this particular one. Um, 
where you need to kill a hundred Poes, each of whom has a piece of Giovanni's soul. Giovanni was a merchant who traded his soul for wealth, and as these deals tend to go, he was transformed into a golden statue. <laughs> With gems for eyes, or was it rupees? And also his cat is a statue. Oh, poor thing. Um, I don't like the Poe quest because, one, there's no way to turn the... Um, day to night or so on oh yeah and some of them only appear at night all of them only appear at night oh that's fucked two there is no specific uh location indicator oh you just know that they're in a particular area and you have to listen for them at night yeah i mean it's fucked you can lose track it makes sense that you can't do the sun song though because this uh this particular link is uh tone deaf yeah and also, there's no Sun Song grass, so I don't know what they were supposed to do. <laughs> but yeah, it, it, like as you're going on this really important quest to carry your dying friend to see the Princess of Hyrule, hoping to get your form restored and be able to save your friend or like your tormentor, depending on how you read the relationship. This guy stops you and says, hey, I'm a huge asshole. Can you help me? Oh, where are you going? Okay, bye. And uh, let's see. Then through Giovanni's house, I think it's a treasure inside his house is connected to an underground waterway and you go down into the waterway and it's the place under Hyrule Castle and you basically work your way back up to where Zelda was. Can I just insert here, you, Giovanni talks about his girlfriend and him not being able to see his girlfriend. Yep. And there's actually somebody in Castletown who files a missing person's report and a, a soldier beside this person, the actual girl never speaks right but he says oh my girlfriend registered a missing persons report about giovanni i think she's trying to make me jealous and i i think somebody's being like played here somebody <laughs> or somebody has a misunderstanding of the relationship huh i don't know if it's giovanni or the soldier or i wonder if maybe that was a translation error maybe no that's re- that's really deliberately written yeah oh that's too complicated to just be a simple error wow i wonder who's getting Wow, huh? I, I never noticed that, to be perfectly honest. Yeah, well, or I did. Giovanni's it. kind of a shit, so maybe he's just had a fundamental misunderstanding of some girl who was nice to him. Man, fuck Giovanni! <laughs> I don't know. Giovanni's the worst. If I wasn't trying to rescue his cat, I'd leave his ass there. Also, he gives you infinite money at some point, doesn't he? Yeah. Are we if sure? You get the, all the pose. That's a lot of pose, though. It's a murderously lot of pose. Pose are really awesomely designed in this one, though. So Link manages to make his way back up Hyrule Castle, getting past the guard you never see, and he finds Princess Zelda again. And I don't remember the framing of this sequence. Could either of you remind me? Uh, So like Binda is, as you said, her palette has been reversed and she looks like she's dying, but she's she's still only begging Zelda, please save Link. Break the curse on him. You need him to save your world. And um, this is this is the face turn for Midna. Yeah, and Zelda says, "Well, he, you're veiled in evil. So what you gotta do is go find the Master Sword, which is in Farron Woods, because evil cannot touch that blade, and so it will cleave that veil." Now Zelda has a very interesting you. line about cool. the Master Sword. There you will find the blade of evil's bane. That was crafted by the wisdom of the ancient sages, the Master Sword. <gasps> oh, yes. This is the... 
Hyrule Historia version? No, it's not. Never mind. How do you take this line here, um, Crystal? Oh, it's really hard to reconcile it with Skyward Sword. It is. So what's your take? Uh, the sages made up a story about how they made the Master Sword. Ooh. My understanding is that at the time it was probably intended that the ancient, ancient, ancient sages probably actually did make the Master Sword. But with the extra context of Skyward Sword, which did not give a shit about this particular line, this line becomes apocryphal. And, yeah. and Zelda just has the wrong history, which means that even the person possessing the power of the Triforce of Wisdom is not a reliable narrator when it comes to ancient history of Hyrule. There's a lot of interesting things about this um, this scene. Interestingly, if we had gotten that exact same goddamn line in Breath of the Wild, it would be a lot easier to reconcile. Right. Yeah. You were saying? Um, so, let's see. Here, Zelda identifies that she was also blessed by the goddesses with a special power. She is also a, she's a special girl. She sees it as being <laughs> sent by the goddesses. And uh, Midna talks about how, oh, Link, you can get to the forest on your own, right? And no, he can't actually. Good thing that Zelda does a thing here. Um, And Midna asks Zelda for one more thing, which is telling Link where the Mirror of Twilight is. Which means this is a secret that she would know, and Midna knows that she knows. And this causes Zelda to realize who and what Midna is. And she's like, oh, shit. And that's interesting. And Zelda decides on the spot what needs to be done here. Yeah, well, she's apologetic um, to Midna because she sees a lot of this as being um, Hyrule's fault, her people's fault. And that gets interesting because when you try to piece this together, you're like, what exactly was their fault? I think Zelda at this point already knows that Ganondorf is involved. It's very possible, yes. She's either apologizing for having the Twilight thrown into She's apologizing the Twilight on, Realm. Either on behalf of the world, the Light World, or on behalf of Hyrule. Yeah. But I, th- I, I, I feel fairly certain that she's saying, oh, sorry, this seems to be linked to this recent development, well, recent on the scale of things, where we threw, you know, the king of evil. The great devil of this setting. <laughs> into your place and, you know, a place that was previously quite peaceful has been upheaved and it's our fault. Well, she doesn't know that it was peaceful. But nothing gets better when you add Ganon to the mix. Yeah. Sorry for putting Satan in your world. Yeah. Yeah, that's basically what it is. I find it interesting because we don't have any indication definitely that she knows that Ganondorf is involved. But but it's close. Like, you would think that Zelda from Ocarina of Time, even the child version, do we, we believe that she retained her memories, right? Yep. Like, that's, that's why she was able to give Link those particular instructions in Majora's Mask. She knows, and he knows. And she also turned around before he approached her. Yes. In the ending. She knew he was coming. Yes. So, do you think that the story of Ganondorf and what he did in another time is something that Ocarina of Time Zelda would pass down along her lineage? Yeah. That's the secret. The enormity. Yeah, because Zelda makes this realization specifically at the mention of the Mirror of Twilight. And when's the last time we use that thing? Oh. Oh. 
sorry. <laughs> that was our fuck up. And she does take responsibility for the actions of her ancestors. Yeah. I think that's just a really incredible part about Zelda in this game. She doesn't have a lot of characterization, but what we do see of her is this this monarch who takes responsibility for her people and apologizes for the atrocities of the past. She makes reparations on the yeah. spot. By, okay, we'll just read the line here. Midna, I believe I understand now just who and what you are. Despite your mortal injuries, you act in our stead. And it's not clear if our is the royal we or if it's talking about the people of the light world. She usually says I. So. Yeah, I know. These dark times are the result of our deeds, yet it is you who have reaped the penalty. Accept this now, Midna. I pass it to you. And she gives her the golden light and begins to disappear. And it is an enormous act of sacrifice, but also she's never important to the story again for the next 30 fucking hours. Why does she disappear? Because the power of the Triforce of Wisdom... Wait a second, they're in the light. <laughs> so yeah. the, the oh, God story interpretation of the scene is that Zelda put her spirit inside Minda. That I doesn't kind of hold to that because there was a moment... It seems like Zelda was conscious of at least some of what went on afterwards. It also really works great for my fix. <laughs> now, see, here's, Sorry. here's what's my view on it. Given what we know what happens at the end of the game and who's probably sitting in the throne room yeah. the entire course of the game while Zant runs around the kingdom actually doing shit, I think that we're actually seeing a redux of the Ocarina of Time end sequence where yeah. instead of a crystal, she's basically just teleported. By She was totally pulled away by Ganondorf. She reveals the power of the gods and Ganondorf makes his grab assuming that she has oh. it. I yeah. was going to say that this this cloaked figure was always just the spirit of Zelda, and her body was laying in the throne room the whole time. Ah. That is an interesting interpretation. What, because what leads you to that one? You don't see Zelda again until you meet Ganon in the throne room, right? And she's True. just kind of hunched over in the throne, unconscious. Suspended on the well, uh, statue. Yeah, she, she's hanging right. in the air. It, that's a, that's a very cool interpretation. That is very cool. And I guess this one part of her with the Triforce in it was um, managed to separate itself out. That could work. Yeah, a lot of people tend to read it as being that Zelda hands over her soul, but I never quite read it that way myself. It was just the Triforce of Wisdom, and then she got grabbed by Ganon. But Let that me is, find that line. Which one? It's like way near the end yeah but do you remember any part of it uh it's after the battle so what which battle hold on boy zelda zelda's fading begins as she is transferring her power or her spirit or whatever there it is now the exact line comes much later in the game and we could talk about it then about do here. you want to talk about it here i'll just mention yeah okay um Midna stutter. This is when Zelda comes back, and Midna stutters. Princess, I, I, and Zelda says, "Say nothing, Midna. Your heart and mine were as one, however briefly. Such suffering you have endured, which does imply they had a meeting of the minds at some point." Yeah, I thought that it was like during the transference of the Triforce of Wisdom, both one way and the other way. Yeah, I don't think it necessarily has to be that her spirit was there the entire time, but some part of 
Midna's understanding was put into Zelda. It was communicated to yes. her. It didn't necessarily... It's not like Zelda's soul sticks to the Triforce of Wisdom or knowledge from one mind necessarily passes to the other, but maybe they just touched each other very yeah. briefly and a great understanding passed between them. You know, it's interesting. People talk about this Zelda being very boring, but I think that she gets more characterization per line than any other version of the character. Yeah. She's just not in 95% of the game. You get a sense of her character through the parts where she's there, though. Well, yeah, but it's also an enormous waste. Yeah. Now, Midna fills that gap quite nicely. Mm Mm-hmm. And the relationship between Midna and Zelda illuminates not just each of those characters, but also how we're to understand the relationship between the two worlds. So that's very good. But Zelda really could have stood to be in more of this game. Yeah. Yeah. This scene is pretty good. I wish there were more like it. There should be more like it. Yeah. The stuff we did get out of it was good, but you know. Anyway, so... um, Midna's cured and also can appear fully in... The light world. Yes. So she can ride around on Link's back while he's in the light world. Which and she's in, not instantly, but she is nice now. She's, yeah, she she's definitely much kinder to Link, especially when she realizes that what he was really trying to do was not restore his own form, but save her. Yeah. Which is good. It, it definitely, this is the turning point for their relationship where Imp Midna and Imp here, meaning little devil, sort of disappears in favor of a person who is very much more like how you would imagine true form Midna she has become behaving. She has stopped being Sun, and she has become Dere. <laughs> Fair enough. That's fucked up. How dare you? Dare, dare. Oh! <laughs> I think this is a good stopping point. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think that's pretty good, where Midna's like, okay, we gotta do a thing. And we'll come back to the specific spot. I guess we'll pick up with Zelda disappearing and Minda being like, oh, let's do it. Cameron, where can people send us questions? The best place to send us questions, as ever, is at the podcast email, bookofmedorapodcast at gmail.com. That's bookofmedorapodcast at gmail.com. You can also send questions to us on Twitter. Uh, you can send them to me, at camrider, or to crystal, at arcane crystal. Let's see. We've got a number of, uh, of Twitter questions here. Uh-huh. Really? Good. Oh, heck. Did you uh, did you put out another call there, Crystal? Of course I did. Okay. Uh, should we do the uh, question document first? Let's do the document first because it's older. It is older. Okay. I did a lot of reading, so you two do the next couple. Okay. Jasmine asks, do Yeti love... Do Yeti love power all heart containers, or is it love in general? Why are the heart pieces in fifths rather than quarters in this game? When will Binda return, and why is my dream multiplayer Breath of the Wild sequel the place she elbow drops into carrying all the re-embodied mm. champions? Okay, this is a few questions. Do Yeti... Does, we know that Yeti love produces at least one heart container. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um... And the fortune teller, you can ask about your, your oh, no. career or love, right? <laughs> right? So definitely love powers these heart containers. In Twilight Princess. In Twilight Princess. How do you explain Morpheal? Morpheal? How do you explain any of the bosses? Uh, you defeat them with the power of love. Is that... I don't know. Is that what happens? I don't know. No, no, actually, um, 
she never talks about those heart containers. She talks about the heart pieces. Right, yes. So the heart pieces are fueled by love. The heart containers are entirely separate. It's some of them Some are, of which may be powered by love. Yeti love. But they can also be produced by hate. Sure. Hate or love both come from the heart. <laughs> but they are definitely the power of the heart, I guess, in Twilight Princess in particular. What's your take, Crystal? I think... It is indeed all powered by love, and the the life essence you take from the bosses is indeed all the love that they had for whatever mm. they love. That's fucked up. Even Morpheal has even Star Lord. Even Star Lord <laughs> loves bones. Sand. <laughs> Poking people. Riding around as a giant skull in a circle. He was having so much fun. That's pretty fun. He rediscovered himself in those final moments. But you never get a heart that. container from Ganon. That's true, you don't. He, he doesn't nothing. have love. He doesn't even love himself, really. Gandorf couldn't get the soul stone. Ganondorf would literally crack the planet in half. Yeah, he would get the soul stone the other way. Yeah, he would trick someone else into getting the soul stone for him. Yeah. Or he'd cut the Gordian knot, one of those. One of those. Also, he wouldn't bother with the fucking Infinity Gauntlet. He'd just get the Triforce. Okay. Or he'd let Thanos get it and then take it from Thanos. Sure. Oh, I want... You know what? Never fucking mind. Why are the heart pieces in fifths rather than quarters in this game? What are your thoughts? There weren't enough things to collect in this game. God damn it. That was my answer. Yes, of course. There weren't. There were just a couple of bugs, like 20 bugs. And then everything else was rupees. And then there were like maybe too many rupees. And there's this, it back in this huge fucking world. And there's no collection of anything. It's really weird. No big pose. Well, there's pose. Big pose. No big pose, but regular pose. No Koroks. Yeah, but the pose. No Koroks. I think that the reason the hard pieces are in fifths rather than quarters is probably because there are more bosses than is usual for a Zelda game. Because this game has a lot of dungeons. And the world is big and they had to put more stuff in it. Even though not a lot of heart pieces around anyway. To, to have the same number of heart pieces resulting in the same number of... Uh, max hearts each heart piece has to be worth less than they were in something like ocarina of time so i think the lore reason is that since the bikori are cousins of the twilight they are in fact energized by the presence of the twilight and therefore can make more heart pieces to spread throughout but why the world. aren't the heart pieces less potent they aren't link as the manliest link is just 20 percent stronger <laughs> yeah Requires 20% more love to make, you know... Get in touch with his feelings enough to grow. Right. Oof. Okay. Do we think that Midna will come back? She is back in Hyrule Warriors. Hyrule Warriors is pretty much the only capacity in which I could theoretically see her returning. Because um, as much as we talk about it here, direct sequels that reuse characters outside of Ganondorf do not happen in the Zelda series, especially when it's removed by a decade or more. That's actually the big reason that I think um, Daphnis could not have been Ocarina of Time Zelda, because they don't bring back characters. But they could. They could, but they don't. There's Linebeck and Linebeck's descendant. Oh, I There's love Linebeck. Nico. You're, you're absolutely right. <laughs> Nico is in three games that are widely separated Lati. by time, and I had forgotten well, Midna's descendant could appear, you know, um, Midna? I would really like ancient wise queen Midna 
Yeah, that'd be cool. That would be cool. But also, um, the Twilight Realm exists in a really cosmologically difficult place, so I don't think we'll ever see it again. And that's Sorry. It. Sorry, Jasmine. I, d- I don't think she's coming back. Jonathan asks, why is Hyrule divided by massive chasms? That, and as an addition, by stringy corridors. That's the $64,000 question, and we haven't got an answer, I don't think. I mean, maybe the Twilight did it. Yeah. The Twilight did just it? Just made some cracks in the world. Do you think that it's ever mentioned? Is it ever mentioned by anyone in the script? No. no. It's the Bridge of Elden going over one of those massive cracks? Yeah. And the Bridge of Elden is pretty old, right? Yeah. So the cracks are pretty old. Maybe they shattered their twice. It happened in whatever war the Hero of Time distinguished himself in before dying. Oh. Yeah, okay. You know what? That's as good an explanation as anything else. And it does fit with how much devastation Ganon can cause without using the power of the Triforce. Maybe they fired giant lasers. (laughs) The Guardians. Yeah, the Guardians. They fired giant lasers at Twilight Princess Ganon. And and the, the landscape. Yeah. Well, I mean, he flies, I guess. The moon fell on uh, Termina <laughs> and it caused a big earthquake. These are all equally valid answers. <laughs> I, I do like... you mean invalid? No, I really like Crystal's explanation that like Hyrule was just really torn up in the war that killed the hero's shade and or, because they're not necessarily the same thing, you know, kind of, uh, the war that imprisoned Ganondorf. Mm, that was totally the same war. Yeah, it's completely the same war, but we'll get into that near the end of the Twilight Princess series. Okay. The real reason is something to do with the production of the game, but I can't give any good... I don't think we can give good insight to that because it doesn't make a ton of sense. The Triforce ran out of RAM. <laughs> okay. So there's just big gaps. Frankie asks, what's better? This or Sonic Unleashed? Uh, I would say Twilight Princess. I would also be forced to say Twilight Princess, but I do like Werehog Sonic being compared to Wolf Link. Oh, I see. I have not played Sonic Unleashed, but I'm probably going to guess that it's Twilight Princess. I'm not. I know that we have a lot of Sonic fans who listen to the podcast because Sonic fans are everywhere. So I'm not going to say that Sonic Unleashed is bad. But I think that the game is very uneven in a way that Twilight Princess is not. I'm a Sonic fan. <laughs> okay, yeah, see, there's one Sonic fan who listens. Uh, how would you, how good is Sonic Unleashed? I think Sonic for you, Unleashed Crystal? is a pretty good game. Okay, uh, would it be one of the better 3D Sonics? It is in the. Hold on, let me think. It's in the top ten 3D Sonics. I can say that. Uh, <laughs> how many 3D Sonics Quite are there? A number? Huh, I did not know that. Oh my god, there are more 3D Sonics than there are 3D Marios. Currently, Sonic Unleashed is at number 86 on the Let's Plays list. Wait a second, doesn't that make it like 10 ahead of Witcher 3? Uh, Check where Witcher 3 is. Yeah, Witcher 3 is all the way down in 112. And have you ranked Twilight Princess? We have not ranked Twilight Princess. Okay, well, I guess that uh, Frankie will get the definitive answer when and if the crew ever ranks Twilight Princess. Yes. A lot of games better than The Witcher 3. Sure. I mean, you guys ranked it scientifically and objectively, so how can we possibly argue? Let's see. Tankhammer asks, what animal form would Zelda turn into if she switched roles with Link? Um, That's a good question. Also a wolf. Uh-oh. 
This is turning into a completely different sort of fanfic. I was thinking she'd be a bird because flying is cool and very useful. Yeah, I'd say she'd be a bird. It is the symbol of the kingdom. Yeah, she'd be like a raptor or something. Okay. Or maybe an owl. That'd be cool. This is Nighthawk. Or not Nighthawk. This is Ladyhawk. Ladyhawk. Hell yeah. There's like a 15% of our podcast listeners who are nodding along going, yeah, that makes sense. Ladyhawk. <laughs> and like 80, and like 85% of us who are going, what the fuck are you doing? Yeah, I like Dragon Age too. Oh, yeah, and then there's Crystal representing the percentage that's going to be like, yeah, we also enjoy Dragon Age 2, because the main character in Dragon Age 2 is Hawk, and colloquially referred to as Lady Hawk. I got it. Because the female version of Hawk is the better Uh, Would Zelda be an owl? Mm. Owl's a good pick. Um, Shoebill's a good pick. I think a falcon is a good pick. I think it would have to be a morning bird. Morning bird? Like a, not an owl. Oh, you're saying it needs to be diurnal. But owls are wisdom. Yes. Yeah, but that's also a very Greek take on wisdom. What if she was like a raven? Like a white raven. associated with wisdom. Ravens ravens and crows are very associated with wisdom in a lot of cultures. I guess she could also be like a fox. Foxes are clever. And very sacred in Japanese. Yeah. Deer? Deer are cool. Yeah, she could be a deer. She could be an ant. I don't I don't know that being a doe is particularly conducive to this kind of adventuring though. I kinda like her as a shoebill or a hawk or a raven. She feels like she would be a bird to me. Yeah, I can go with Raven. Big white raven. Cool. Uh Daniel asks, would a werewolf link be hot? Yes. I posted the picture. Oh, let's go see. Isn't isn't Wolf Link technically a werewolf to start with? He is. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, this is a very different kind of werewolf Link. This is um, regular Link with the facial markings that Wolf Link has, as in the blue glowing tattoos, a wolf tail and wolf ears, and that's it. Otherwise, I, it's just Link. I recognize the fan artist. Oh, you do? She draws a lot of uh, Z-Link stuff. Well, of course she does. And, of course, that's why you know her. Yeah. Um, I think that a lot of people would argue that Werewolf Link is already hot. There has to be part of the community that's really into the way that Wolf Link looks, right? Yeah. Yeah. Like, Wolf Link is a top-shelf furry of that kind. I don't know what you call it, I assume. Show my ignorance here a little bit. Quit staring at me! Um, but like it, it really depends because some werewolves, that some types of werewolves can be hot, but sometimes I would argue it would be really difficult to be hot. But Link's always hot, so probably yes. Jasmine asks, "Do you think Russell's adventuring party would go on to do heists, woo guards, and otherwise sow chaos in the spirit world where there are no Link?" No, involved? I don't think they'd do much at all. <laughs> I think at some point they would run afoul of Zant and they would all be killed. Oh man. No, but, like, a cool heist team when, like, Hyrule is clearly, like, um, ruled by evil. You're saying that they're, they're like, a... The in, actual resistance. They're an insurgency. Yeah. That'd be cool. That would be cool. But they would be very ineffective. Let's be real here. Eventually, they would run afoul of one of the game's two main villains, King Bulblin and uh, <laughs> Zant, and that would be it. But they'd have cool deaths. That's what oh, I think. Oh, no. Oh, yeah, I know. But also, if they're just spirits, they can't really fight. Because we know that spirits don't really stand a chance against the shadow beasts. Yeah. 
Sorry, I'm just looking up a bunch of pictures of Werewolf Link. I'm pretty entranced by this page. Please share. <laughs> yeah, I've been oh, okay. posting a lot. Oh, Holy wow. shit! <laughs> um, okay, Crystal has just flooded us with... <laughs> Yo! With, like, 15 images. Or is it 15 of the same... No. No, no, I'm just clicking wrong. Okay, there's a more, like, what I used to think of as a werewolf uh, when I was a kid. And... Yeah, wow. that that particular one with the smoky art style where Link has like the transformation hanging around him, that's pretty hot in a scary way. I just say scary. Uh, it can be both. Open your mind. Yep. And there's that one. And um yep, there's Link with the wolf ears. People love Link with wolf ears. I guess I can see why. He's very cute. He's a cute boy. Uh yep. Uh wounded wolf Link defending dying Midna. That's also an inherently uh, compelling image. Uh, transformation. Yep, yep, yep. Oh, this person, I can tell when they cut their eye teeth on anime by looking at this. Um, and this actually looks like an earlier version of Midna and Wolf Link here. Is this from the Hyrule Historia? Yeah, this yeah. is early concept art. Cool. This is a version of Midna, who looks considerably different, but uh, it's in a way that's difficult to describe. Whereas Wolf Link is clearly like a twilight creature where the darker patches of fur coming off of his head and the entirety of his tail are actually made up of smoky shadows. And his eyes are fiercely glowing and leave light trails behind them. And it's a very cool, intimidating look. And Midna kind of has like Zant's like fishy helmet. And then there's uh, Wolf Link doing a high kick. Crystal, what's wrong with Nothing. you? Nothing. <laughs> what did we? Do? What's wrong with us that we did to deserve that? You're my friends. Well, thank you. We love you too. Want to share cool images? But of now, yes, that, that some of them were especially very cool. Oh my god, it keeps going. <laughs> the sacred beast cosplay. Yeah, that is that is actually a really top shelf first yeah. that this person has made. I feel like this isn't going to play very well on the podcast, and I don't know if I'm going to leave okay. this whole bit in. But I do want to say that we have seen some top-shelf fan art and at least one really good fursuit that captures all the essential design elements of Wolf Link. And then some. And then some. Uh, let's see where we left off. Uh, Jonathan asks, is Zant a good or bad villain? I mean, he's good enough. Keep in mind, Monica doesn't care about villains. Right. So she's not really the person to ask here. Hey, Zant gets us to, you know, where we need to be. What's your thought here, Crystal? I really like the cutscene we just watched where Link turns around and Zant is there and he pushes around Lanayru like nothing. Yeah. Yeah, there, this part of the game has Zant being this really unapproachable power and he's also flaunting his power in a way that's super, super, super fucking threatening on many levels all at the same time. And he's super serious. He's played so goddamn seriously here. And he was a very different character later in the game. It's like, um, I think that this was said at some point, maybe by GGDG. Don't quote me on this one, but I think she said that later on, Zant's descent into goofiness is 
almost like the breaking of tension created by the serious villainy of Zant early in the game. Like, they can't commit to any serious villain for too long after Wind Waker Ganondorf was the way that he was. And I think that might actually be true, because we do definitely see Zant unravel. I think that Zant's a good villain before being not much of a villain at all. Almost like two different characters. Yeah, I was going to say it kind of felt like they had two different concepts for the character. Because it plays very, very differently. The Infinite Justine writes in, If the Twilight Realm's nature isn't inherently evil, why does the Twilight Mirror corrupt things so dramatically? It's implied to be a major part of the motivation for Midna's decision to separate the realms, and I don't think the Twily made the mirror, so it's an odd choice. Um... I don't think that Midna smashed the mirror for that reason. She clearly saw the threat that was Gandorf in the light world and was like, no, we out. We out. All the worst shit comes from here, not yeah. from us. Um, it may have a corrupting effect on people who are just not used to it, I suppose. Um, I think that probably, at least to some degree, because this is actually a very popular motif, the Twilight Mirror's corruption powers may be a reference to Hans Christian Andersen's story. Was that the Snow Queen? Yeah. The Snow Queen, which is about the shattered pieces of an evil mirror freezing people's hearts and making them into someone else. I don't think the Twilight Realm is evil. I do think it is vinegar, and the light realm is baking soda. Mm. Ah, they have very strong chemical reactions. Yes. So it, it I think, um, the both the fused spirits, the fused shadows, and the mirror are described to be corrupting, but they're com- two completely separate things. Yes. And the mirror of twilight, infinite Justine, is correct. It was not created by the Twilight. No, it was definitely made in Hyrule. And it seems like, could it just be that it was corrupted by the power that initially broke it? That Ganon, in, well, I'm not going to say Ganon, but the power of Zant's god infused itself as a curse when leveraged against it? Possibly. It may be a very Ganon-like thing to corrupt. Because we understand why the fused shadow does what it does to the particular beings that it touches. It basically turns them into shadow beasts or the equivalent of what they would be if they became shadow beasts. Like Phyrus is what Darbus would be if he was turned into a shadow beast. And Morpheal, I don't know what the fuck, but it's the shadow beast version of something. Maybe those eels from Super Mario 64. Maybe it's just that the mirror is power. And like Laneru warns you, power um, is just inherently corrupting. You carry around a lot of that mirror without being corrupted yeah, by it. Yeah, except for Link who tempers power with courage. Yada and yada. Midna also. Yeah, who's she's not- got wisdom now. <laughs> Okay, so Midna can carry around the pieces of the fused shadow without being affected by them because they're fused shadows and she's not affected by them as a realm, as a person who's in the Twilight Realm. And she's not affected by the Mirror of Twilight because she has the Triforce of Wisdom. She's also the proper inheritor of the Mirror. True. Who can actually shatter the Mirror. Right. 
Now, that is interesting because it means that since it is the true monarch of the Twilight Realm, which brings questions about who, what determines the true monarch in this setting, but since the true monarch of the Twilight Realm has power over the mirror, it implies that there is some link between the interlopers and the mirror itself. Mm. But what the hell could that link be? Because it was used to seal them away. And they don't seem to be able to use it to leave, though Midna clearly does. Is the entire story about them being sealed away in Hyrule, like, apocryphal? Like, it, 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 clearly they were driven out of Hyrule. But the mirror itself is a bridge, not a lock. Yeah. So is it just the method by which they retreated? Uh, Midna's story is that the goddesses forbade them to return to the world of light, but they left uh, the mirror of twilight to the Hylian royal family. As a hope for redemption, I guess. Who left it to the Hylian royal family? The gods or the Twi'le? The goddesses. But if that's the case, why is it that the people of the Twilight are the ones with ultimate power over it? Maybe because the gods in their benevolence saw that the Twilight, uh, the Twi'le could also decide, no, fuck it, we're not going back to the light. The Triforce goddesses who never do anything. Yeah. It was a different time. There's so much apocrypha surrounding the Twilight Mirror and the entire war with the interlopers that it's impossible to know exactly what was going on. Because, I mean, like, the best explanation we came up with for who the interlopers was was that they are the demon tribe. Yep. Do you think that the goddesses ended up thinking that the... Even setting aside the fact that the Triforce goddesses definitely were not the ones to seal away the demon tribe, but... Would Hylia have been the one to set up? Uh, Hylia can see forward in time, and that does sound like exactly the kind of bullshit she yeah. would do. Yeah. Okay, sure, whatever. Fine. Whatever. But then that also like brings to mind the question, okay, they're forbidden from coming back because the light world will fuck them up, I guess. And is that the only thing keeping them in the Twilight Realm, knowing that they will just get their shit wrecked if they try to go back? Because they're not trapped by any means. Midna leaves easy enough. Even separated from most of her magic. Anyway. It's tw- it's a connection for people of the light to go into the twilight, I guess. But it also allows twilight people to go into the light. Yes. But they can get there anyway. And... It's, it's a situation that suggests a lot of questions that the game isn't particularly interested in answering. That's not a weakness. But as people who tend to overanalyze things as hard as we do, it does make us run around in circles a little bit. Does Midna get to the light world through the mirror? I thought it was that Xant banished her. Um, no, she doesn't know where it is. Wait, what What makes you think that she doesn't know where it is? Because she asks Zelda to... No, she asks Zelda to tell Link. Why can't she tell Link? She's dying. And the explanation for where it is requires more of a conversation than she thinks she has time to have. But wait, how does Link find out where the Twilight Mirror is? Uh... If, 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 if she didn't come through the mirror, then how did she come through? There are portals to the Twilight Realm that open up, I guess. Or no, the portals look the same even if they're opened up within the Realm of Light. Well, no, she also mentions that like people of the, the Twilight can just walk out of the Twilight. She does mention that. Yeah. When does she mention that? When she says like, to get into the Twilight or out of it, you need somebody from the Twilight. Right. Right, 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 right. But that's also not true. Because the sages can use the Mirror of Twilight too. Well, yeah, they weren't mentioning the mirror first. Well, Minna expected the mirror to be in the Arbiter's grounds, but there was only a piece of it there. 
So I guess at some point she picked up that that's where Hyrule kept it. Unless she just came through there in the first place. We'll get to it, I guess. I guess we'll get to it, but that is a question. How did Midna get... This is probably in here somewhere, and I can't remember it, and it's going to make me look very silly. I think she just followed Link out. She saw Link. No, no, no. How did she get into Ordon? At what point? In the beginning of the game. How did she first get to Hyrule? How did she leave the Realm of Twilight? First, she saw Link turn into a wolf. No, baby. How did she leave the Twilight Realm before all this? Before the game started? Because the world is permeable in those half-twilight corrupted light areas. What? Ganon did it. Sure. Did she just, like, hitch a ride on a shadow beast? Sure. The ones that attack her on sight? No, the world is permeable. I don't know if that's actually suggested anywhere outside of what Russell says. We'll figure this out later. I, I mean, it doesn't matter that much. She snuck through a portal, summoned by King Bulblin. Crystal's asking questions that's going to tear this podcast apart. (laughs) Here's a much easier question from Dan Silva. Is Telma gay? Yes or no? She's not because she's openly attracted to Renato. Yeah, she... I mean, there's space for her to be attracted to women, but she is canonically and concretely attracted to at least one man. Yeah. We concretely know Telma's preferences. Yeah, she, the, the writers portray her as being absolutely straight. Cass asks, Have you read the gay Carrie Peach comic where Zelda and Midna get together and merge the worlds together by shattering the Twilight Mirror? Yes. I have not. Really? I, I was, may have. It was circulating on Twitter. Um, I think it's 15 pages long. I think I have, actually. You should get Cass to link it to you and then send it to Monica because I can't remember where I saw it. I'm sure if you just search... Harry Peach, Twilight Princess. There are a lot of good fan works that really play up more of the relationship between um, Zelda and Midna, and that's great. Oh, I see you found it while I was searching. Thank you. So we'll go over this a little bit uh, later. Or do we want to take a break while everybody yeah, reads this? I read this. Is this the sure. whole thing? Sure, okay, I'll be a minute. Oh, one out of five, okay, got it. Yeah. Uh, Monica stepped off to read it on her phone. Yes, we've all read it. That, that was, was a nice. good comic. It is definitely a good comic. Um, it's also very cute, and it's also the kind of thing where it's a very different read on the characters than you would expect i think you're talking about zelda's level of experience as a monarch as compared to midness in particular yeah because it turns zelda into sort of a mm, she definitely has she's definitely the supplicant in this in many ways because the twilight realm is portrayed as possessing much ancient knowledge that the light world does not have and that the light world would not be able to contribute much to the knowledge of the twilight realm and it also portrays zelda as being deeply inexperienced in ruling in a way that minda is not which is a very good read on the characters that makes for a very compelling comic but i think also is very different from how they're presented in game i'd almost say it was flipped 
I don't know if it's necessarily flipped, because by the end of it, Midna has learned her lessons and grown into the fullness of who she needs to be as a ruler. The f- starting off point. She definitely learns from Zelda, is the thing. And Zelda, in this game, is, like, they call her princess, but she's a queen. And she knows what her people need, and she knows how to act in any given moment. She's as wise as any version of the character has ever been. But I do like this comic. This it's comic's fucking cute. great. It's a very cute comic. So it's Carrie Peach, and it's a Zelda Midna comic. And what's the name of the comic? The name of the comic is Coda. It is part of a larger Coda. anthology Coda. that you can buy on Twitch.io called The Legend of Gay Zelda. <laughs> yes, the specific uh, URL you can use for that is Gay Zelda, all one word, gayzelda.itch.io. And that's got a fanzine of some stories that are exactly what they sound like. I've read a bunch of Zelda Bindafix, and they're great. Oh, yeah. It's, a, it's, it's always nice to have interaction between the ladies without Link. You could say that it's the best pairing involving Zelda in this game. <laughs> am I, Crystal, am I wrong? I mean, you're not wrong. They do literally share a soul for a minute. Yeah. And they also have a very deep, intimate understanding of each other that they uh, enunciate in two different scenes. And there's the build-up where Minda's like, oh, Zelda's a, a bad princess. But then they start loving each other. Yeah, it's, it's, it's perfect romance for some of the very best romantic fanfic that money can't buy. I don't mind this ship. I'm not actually. I take that back. Money can buy fanfic. Be sure to commission your favorite fanfickers. They'll write shit for you. They're, like the the framing of the scene is interesting because Minda's mostly just worried about Link and not herself, even though she's the one who's actually dying. But also Zelda yeah. doesn't pay that much attention to Link. She's mostly worried about Minda. Yeah. Yeah. Zelda's first concern is sending the hero on his way to protect the kingdom because her first concern is always the kingdom but when it comes to act personally she does reach out to her sister monarch well i mean in a practical sense link will get rid of the the evil thing that is corrupting him right now he's gonna get the master sword he'll be fine point him to where he needs to be yeah he'll get like it done. midna's literally dying and she's not part of this whole you know reincarnation kerfuffle triad thing I wonder if the comic is intentional in the way that it sort of reverses their relative levels of experience. I think it could be played the other way around, too, but it, it's fine. I really like the way this comic is written, though. Yeah. So, yeah, we have all read it, and it's good. It's a good comic, and uh, anybody who's uh, listening to this podcast and wants to read this little 20-page comic that's on Twitter, uh, you can find it easily at twitter.com slash carry draws that's c-a-r-e-y d-r-a-w-s anyway uh yeah good comic and dungeon envy asks is link a furry yes ocarina um, of link ocarina of time link presents himself by choice as a wolf i don't have the perspective <laughs> necessary to speak on this yeah we would need... <laughs> we don't know anything about the furry community or what constitutes being a furry versus not, so I, I, I don't know, maybe. Ask that on the furry podcast. Yeah. 
The answer is probably yes. Okay. That's all our questions. Though, I'd also, also, it does need to be said that maybe not because the cultural understanding of animal selves differs between different cultures. That's it. Okay. Also, I guess they could have transformed into a wolf at some point. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, Sorry, what were you saying, Crystal? I was saying that's all the questions. Whew. Yeah, questions. We're done with them. Cameron, where can people send us questions? You can send us questions to the podcast email, bookofmedorapodcast at gmail.com. That's bookofmedorapodcast at gmail.com. Where can people find you online? You can find me on Twitter at camwriter and nowhere else. You can find me at arcanecrystal on Twitter. Uh, you can find me on the MCU Complete Me podcast at audioentropy.com, where we talk about the Marvel movies. You can find me on Let's Place, another podcast on audioentropy.com, where we uh, scientifically and objectively rank every video game according to quality. As a reminder, if you like our podcast art, that was provided by Tor Kirby at torkirby.com. Would you like to hear a Zelda joke? Yes. Oh, definitely not. This comes in from reddit.com slash r slash Zelda thread some classic Zelda jokes from an old issue of Nintendo Power. This is a a reply posted by Dr. Furball. Why should you never take Ganondorf to a buffet? Why? Because he always pigs out. Yeah. (sighs) Okay, goodbye, everybody. But... A buffet would be the best place to take in. No, goodbye, everybody. (laughs)